And we come to this next part of the story, which is one of the, the great miracles that, that Christ performs. And, and we're going to kind of dig into that tonight. Um, and just kind of coming here tonight, just kind of being in a rush, I forgot my coat. Because in the midst of that, I almost forgot my cell phone for, <laughs> because I forgot where I put that in. And just kind of in that hustle and bustle of always thinking of where you need to be, you kind of get lost in the things that you're kind of doing right now. And we're going to see a people like that tonight as they're in this rush to get to this place, to see something or to see someone. They kind of forget something in the process. They, they're on their way. They're excited about where they're going. So they kind of forget what they need to bring or, or what they need to carry with them in this process. So... If you want to turn with me to, to Mark chapter 6, and we'll, we'll begin at verse 30, I think it's on page 841 in your pew Bibles. Um, and as you turn there, I'll just pray for us. Lord, um, we come to you as, as needy as this people was coming to you. Though they didn't recognize every, every need they had, they may not even recognize the most important need they had. But, but just in our blindness, we, we see that you shepherd us, that you, you guide us, that you're leading us back to yourself. Through your, through your love, through your mercy and grace, you have compassion on us and, and you provide us with truth. You provide us with so many things that, that we need and that we long for and, and that hopefully, Lord, that in the process of wading through those things that we see that we need you the most and, and that's what our hearts truly long for. So I pray that, that you open up your word to us tonight, Lord, that we may be able to, to see how great you are. Yeah. And to see how, how your word always points back to you and how your miracles reveal such great things about you and, and who you are. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so I'll start off by, by reading the passage for us. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. And they went away to a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns that, and got there ahead of them. When they went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away and go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit in groups on the, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples 
to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And he took the twelve baskets full of broken pieces and the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Um, so we kind of see a few things in this text. One thing, Jesus is a good caterer. <laughs> he just walks up here. He, he sees all these people. Surely they must be hungry. Let me feed them. Tell the little boy over there to give me his crackers and his fish, and, and I'll feed all these people. And I feel that's how this miracle is kind of portrayed to our culture sometimes. It's kind of Jesus, he was at this place. It was great. He fed all these people. Surely he must have been a nice guy. He was, he was pretty decent. He didn't make all these people walk back to all the surrounding towns and, and get their food. And he fed them. He fed them himself. So surely he must be a nice guy. But is there something more here that we're kind of missing about this story? Is it just about him feeding these people with loaves and fish? And if you've kind of been following this series or doing any reading in the Gospels, you kind of see that the miracles that Christ shows us, they're not just to provide for those needs that kind of seem obvious, but they're bigger. They're, they're revealing something about himself. And as John puts it in at the end of his gospel, like he, 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 he specifically picks these seven, seven signs and he writes, and these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God, and by believing in his name, you may have eternal life. And even Mark in his gospel, he states that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So explicitly, they're stating something here that's very significant, that they're trying to prove, that they're taking an account of, and they want us to see. And that fact is, they want us to see that Jesus is our Messiah, like he's the Son of God. That's the point that they're trying to make. Not that these people got healed, but not that, that, not that that's an insignificant thing, but there's something greater that they want us to see. So hopefully through these five flows, we begin to, to see something greater, that, that Jesus is this good shepherd, that he's this great and good and loving and compassionate shepherd who provides for his people. So as we, as we begin to, to look at the text in verse 30, we see here the disciples coming back. They're coming back to Jesus to, to tell of all they've taught and all they've done. And kind of looking back early in the chapter, in verse 7, they can't, Jesus gives them authority over unclean spirits. And they go out, they put, and it says, They proclaim the, that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed, anointed with oil, many that were sick, and, and they were healed. So they did all these great signs and doing all these great things the way when Jesus sent them out. So they get back. He probably notices they're, they're kind of weary. They're kind of tired from, from all the traveling they were doing. So what does he tell them? Come away to a desolate place. So they're on their way to this desolate place. And these people hear about it. And they begin to, and they begin to tell one another. I'm sure, and they begin to tell more people, and then they begin to start to run, as it says. 
as it says here, like they ran from all the villages around there. They, they were running. They, they were going to see something. There was something there, something significant that was happening. They were, they were seeing, they were seeing all these signs that the apostles were doing. They were seeing the signs and wonders that Jesus was doing. And they wanted to be a part of that. So, so they run to this desolate place. So I guess the thing I think about is like, what were the disciples thinking when they got there? They were going there in hopes of rest and maybe eating. And they get there and they see all these people. I'm not sure if this crossed their mind, but it definitely crossed my mind. It's like, dang, my rest is interrupted. (laughs) I have this planned in mind, like I want to rest, but I'm getting phone calls. I'm getting text messages. Somebody's singing loud in the shower next to me and (laughs) I can't get any rest. But in contrast to there, we see, see Christ at this point. And it says in verse, verse 34, And when he came ashore, he saw the great crowd and had compassion on, me, compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and began to teach them many things. And to this point, um, I was reading this article um, about from Ajit Fernando. He's a a minister and, and a pastor in Sri Lanka, and he was just kind of talking about the frustration and the and the toil that he kind of goes through in his work. And, and he has this he has this quote, and he says, "As a leader, I am a bond servant to the people I lead. That means that my schedule is sh- is shaped more by their needs than mine." And, and in these verses, we kind of see that as, as Christ is shaping his schedule and, and what he's doing around the people that he's serving. Because he came for really no other purpose than to seek and to save the lost as we, as we read throughout the Gospels. And as we kind of, he kind of drives his points home in, in all he does. And we kind of see that brought to fruition in the cross. So his schedule begins to be shaped by the people that he's serving in this place where they're going to rest, they're going to eat, they find all these people. And immediately, he begins to teach them. They don't wait and says, no, me and my disciples are coming here to have our quiet time, kind of go away, come back later type of thing. They don't see the people at the shore like, their place is kind of crowded, let's go somewhere else. But they, they pull up to the shore, Jesus gets out, and begins to teach them many things. And so, this great crowd, I'm not sure if the the Greek or Hebrew kind of adds anything to that, but we know this crowd was great. Uh, As we kind of read on, we see there are 5,000 men here, and depending on who you talk to, there are anywhere from 15 to to 25,000 people here when you start to get into the men, the women, and the children. So, there was this great crowd here that they had a need. And Jesus says they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. So we see him in his compassion. He looked out these people, not because they had ran there and they were kind of bent over and tired and exhausted. He's looking at something deeper here. 
maybe some heart level issues that they're dealing with, like they're wandering and, and not knowing what they come in to see as we kind of see in John's gospel as he kind of brings up this same point, like what did you come here to see and what were you seeking? And, and he begins to ask those questions of these people of like, why are you here? Like, what's, what's the point of you coming, coming to see these things? Cause so we, not, we, we don't really see Jesus yet begin to, to deal with the feeding and, and this physical need. There's something spiritual here. He, he begins to teach them truth. In Luke's gospel, he says he starts to teach, teach them about the kingdom of God. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he brings up that point. First and foremost, we, we kind of see that, see that come into play here. So, so in his great provision, he, he begins to teach them. Um, and not knowing much about sheep, I don't really know how to take that, but you kind of see dogs, they're kind of, if you set them loose in a while, they could probably fend for themselves. We know cats are pretty much ind- independent, but kind of growing up on a farm around cows, that I figure they're, they're pretty much like sheep, they're herding animals, they kind of go where you lead them, and and sometimes a few would get out of the pasture and you kind of notice them walking up and along the fence trying to, trying to figure out where, where they got out, where, where can they get back in. And usually in, in, the, in that process, me and my grandfather, my uncle, whoever was there, whoever was available, had to end up guiding them back to where they needed to be. And we see Jesus here kind of in, inserting himself and saying, like, I, I'm a shepherd. I see these people. They have no shepherd. So he begins to teach them. He begins to give them truth. And then we begin to see, like, he's, he's, he's leading them. He's guiding them. He's giving them something that they need that's not necessarily going to take care of their, their physical needs, but more so spiritual. So some of you kind of thinking, like, well, is that the, the big idea he's trying to cross here? Like, our physical, need, our physical needs are kind of irrelevant. They're kind of less than... Less than this great need? Well, it is. I guess in our spirituality, we say we're, we're kind of fine. We kind of take a little pinch of this, sprinkle a little that, a dash of that, a little, a little serenity, a little meditation, and we figure out we're at, we're at peace with ourselves. All is right with the world, and and spiritually we're fine through that. But we may be saying we have these physical needs, like we may have student loan debt up to our eyes, or we may be looking for our next meal, or our home, or, or whatever that may be, and those things are important, those things are relevant, but those things are obvious, we can see those things, they may be even come in the mail with a big red last notice on them, or something like that, but heart level issues, issues that deal with our spirit and our soul, like those things are a little bit harder to identify. But we always try to use physical means to fix them. Like, I feel insignificant. Well, let me get a job that makes me feel important. I'm lonely. Let me get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or both, as you kind of see happen. I don't have any joy. Well, let me think more positive thoughts. Let me live like every day is Friday type of thing. So in this 
I guess in, in this struggle with us to always be meeting, meeting our own needs and meeting our own and just solving our own problems, we kind of get caught up in that where we're, where we always using these physical things to kind of meet needs that, that, are, that may not be physical. And, and as you kind of learn more about this crowd through John, it kind of gets to a point where, where Jesus begins to tell them their, their biggest needs and they begin to talk about what, what do they need to do to do for this. And he says, but believe in the one that God has sent. Believe in me. And, and we kind of see there, as you kind of dive into more, if you want to read that in your spare time, you kind of, you'll kind of get that bigger picture of, of what's going on here. So we don't really see Jesus dismissing these, these physical problems, but we see here first dealing with what's going with them spiritually. He's giving them truth, something to lead and, and to guide them, not necessarily to, to feed them at this point. And we also see him healing them as well. As you look in the, the Gospels of Matthew and, and Luke, it also, it also introduces that point of, of this physical healing that comes. And, and how loving and, and compassionate would he be if he didn't address our spiritual need? Us broken and sinful man, separated from a holy and perfect God. And nothing we can do to bridge that gap but believe in Christ. How compassionate would he be if he just kind of let that slide or, or made little of that point here? And then he kind of kind of goes on and and continues to minister to them and to heal them and and to teach them. And we kind of see in this um, and see from John that that not all these people are are really believing in Jesus. They're, they're here for the bread. They're here for the, for the miracles. They're here for the things he can do for them. But yet we still, he, we still see his compassion in that as well as he continues to, to love and, and to serve these people. We see his common grace extended to all these people that come. Like there's no qualification for the people he healed. There are no applications they have to fill out. There's no lottery system in place for who gets the first piece of bread. Like, there's none of that in place. We see Jesus here seeing that all people need a, need, have a need for him, whether they realize it or not. So in the midst of this, it's getting late, and his disciples come to him. And at this point, they say, it's getting late. Send these people away so they can go eat. And it appears that the disciples' concern for the people is greater than the crowds concerned for themselves. It seems that they're pretty content where they are. They're pretty satisfied right here at Christ's feet, getting healed by him, getting taught by him. So no one moves. And the disciples think, well, maybe he will send them away at our request. But, but what does he say next? You give them something to eat. 
when that kind of perplex you, perplex you a little bit, out of all these people, they recognized that the people didn't have food and they recognized they had to send them away. So there was no food anywhere that they could come up with. So they must have been a little baffled about this as they kind of logically think through this. And Philip kind of puts in the point, well, it's going to be 200 denarii to feed these people, roughly about eight months' wages, and that wouldn't even satisfy them all. And kind of looking at the, the average income for the state of Connecticut right now, which is around 65000 imagine needing $43,000 to feed people. <laughs> That's roughly about eight months' worth of that. But then they find this little boy which has these five loaves and two fish. And these loaves right here, this bread is kind of like, it's kind of like a cracker, a small thing. And these fish are, are pickled. So this is a lunch for one person. Better yet, it's a lunch for a little boy. I'm sure a grown man would, would eat more than that. <laughs> and so we, we, see, we see them they grab the fish, they grab the loaves, and they bring them to Jesus. And I'm pretty sure this little boy's meal isn't worth $43,000 at this point. But, but nevertheless, Jesus takes the loaves, he takes the fish, and he sends the disciples out. And they sit, and they sit the people in 50s and 100s as if they're like preparing for a banquet or, or some great feast. But yet, at this point, there's, there's still no food. <laughs> so what does Christ do? He looks to heaven. He blesses it. And he hands it to his disciples to start to distribute to the people. And the disciples at this point, they have to feed these thousands and thousands and thousands of people right now. So they're probably coming back to Jesus and, and getting more bread and continuing to distribute it and getting more fresh and continuing to hand it out. Wouldn't you stop and, and wonder, where, where is all this coming from? Where, where, is he getting, where is he getting all of this? Wouldn't you be astounded? <laughs> As you, kind of, as you kind of look down a little later in the chapter, it does say they are astounded. Matter of fact, in, in verse 51, it says, and they were utterly astounded. But that's not at the, the loaves and fish. That was at the walking on water and the, and the calming of the wind. And it goes on to say, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. So we see the disciples here, this great sign right before their eyes, but yet, yet little understanding. And we see Jesus' Jesus's provision in that even though they understand little, he still has great provision for them. He still provides for them. He still has compassion on them. And when everything's said and done, they still have these 12 baskets left that they get to eat from. The main, their main purpose for coming here was to rest and to eat. And we see Jesus provide for them here to shepherd them as well as the people and his provision for them. He doesn't just bring them here 
and work them hard and serve these people, seat these people, do all these things. We also see his provision for them here as well. And we also see later that they will cherish this. This is the only other miracle other than Christ's resurrection that appears in all four Gospels. The only one. And it comes up here. And it comes up in Matthew. It comes up in Luke. It comes up in John. So there's something very, very significant about this. That all of them saw. That all of them remembered it. And that all of them wanted to record it. So, so hopefully this fact that, that Jesus comes as, a, as this compassionate shepherd matters to us in our wandering, whether it be from, from place to place, from job to job, or whether it be in our own minds from indecisiveness that we have about different things, that we see that, that Christ comes, gives us truth can heal us, can feed us, can provide for us in in so many ways. And that we would just see like the compassion of this great shepherd. And as we see throughout the gospels, like his compassion, it never comes without action. It never comes just just as a feeling that that he kind of sees something and lets it slide. In Mark 1, it heals lepers. In Mark 9, it casts out demons. In Matthew 20, it gives sight. In Luke 7, it raises the dead. In Luke 10, it brings help. In Luke 15, it brings a son home. So, so this compassion that he's feeling, this deep, is this being deeply moved for this people always calls him to action. It always causes him to initiate and to provide and to care for his people. And it also shows all who, all who come to him, there will be satisfaction, there will be completeness. And we kind of see in this where he says in verse 40, 42, And they all ate and were all satisfied. Nobody was lacking. Nobody was hungry. And this kind of translates as to being gorged, like they weren't lacking in any way. Nobody let the fish pass by. Nobody was on a low-carb diet and passed the bread by. They all wanted this food that Jesus was feeding them. And they all were satisfied by it. They all were filled. They all ate till they were full. And for the Jews that read this, how, how could they kind of miss this symbolic, symbolic, the symbolicness of this? They were in a desolate place, a desert place, as Mark kind of reiterates throughout these verses. And we see Jesus here. He looks to heaven and bread miraculously shows up. And we see him look out over the people and call them sheep without a shepherd and kind of steps in as Israel's divine shepherd. So we kind of see his divinity come into play here. We, we kind of, we see this in a way that 
that, that shows his divinity as this shepherd of Israel, if they kind of use that imagery and you kind of look through the Old Testament as you look in Psalms and Ezekiel, Second Chronicles, Kings, I want to say, there's just so many images of, of him, of God being the shepherd to his people. And that comes into play. And we kind of see here, and as we look at John as well, he, he calls himself the bread of life. So he brings this bread that's, that's better than the bread that Moses brought to the people. And as he says in, in John 6, 58, this is the bread that came from heaven, speaking of himself, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he just uses this, uses this miracle as a way to, to show more of himself, to be symbolic of, of what would happen to him, of what he would become. As he says, the bread that he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. Himself for the ransom of sinners. He became the bread that, that brought us life. And, and through the Lord's suffer, we remember that. We actively remember the sacrifice Christ made for us, what he became. His blood, the wine, his body, the bread. Let's pray. Lord, that I just pray that we would just see that your provision goes deeper and farther and, and wider than we, can, we could ever imagine. That as we look at these loaves and, and fish, we kind of dis- dismiss it at times and, and think that was, a, that was a good story about feeding people. But we see that, that you're trying to reveal something much deeper and something much more, more greater about yourself and who you are. And I pray that, that we would just see that as well. That, that we would come to you, Lord, knowing that you're the bread of life. That we would come to you as a shepherd. And know that you give life and that we will have it more abundantly in you. That we would trust you. That we would put our, our hope in, that hope would be in you. And that we would, we would allow you to, to lead us. There's so many times we are sufficient in ourselves and we blaze our own trails and we're self-made and we make our own way for ourselves and I just pray that we will see how much of a delusion that is. That, that to know you, to trust you will be all our hearts long for. In Christ's name.
Amen.